Hallelujah. Well, it certainly is good to see you tonight. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. God is good. Uh, and I am excited about the message tonight. I, I, I really don't sense, I, I, I really didn't sense that I'd be able to, to wrap it all up tonight, although I was, I was kind of hoping to as we were coming into this, but I was like, no, we'll get another week out of it. And so I believe that we'll get into some of that. And, uh, but, but you know, uh, tonight we're laying a foundation for something. I've been kind of laying a foundation for these spiritual things, uh, you know, and for everything that we talk about, you understand that there's a lot more we could talk about. But we're trying to, to get as much, get a foundation, get things started. We don't have to learn it all overnight. You know, <clears throat> one of the things that the Lord keeps reminding me of is to preach what I know. <clears throat> don't worry about what I don't know. That if I'm walking, I'm doing my due diligence to be in His will and to follow His plan for my life, glory to God, that uh, because He has called me to do this and He equips me to do this, if I do my due diligence, then the Lord will always provide what we need even if it's the last thing we need, even if it's the last moment that we need it, God will provide it. Amen. And, and he'll do the same in your lives. Amen. And, and it's just such a, it's such a freeing place to live. It's such a freeing place to be. Because, you know, there's so many opinions about so many different things. But, you know, I, I, I don't know about you. I just want the truth. I want the whole truth and nothing but the truth. You know, several years ago, I, I, I started walking down this path of really just, you know, you, you know, even about the subject we're going to be talking about tonight. I could preach it to you the way I could, I could preach it to you the way that I was taught it. I could preach it to you the way that other people talk about it, but I didn't want to do that. And that's where I was frustrated. That's where all my frustration li was laying because, not because I, I, I thought that they were completely wrong, but, but, or not that I even thought that they were wrong at all. It has nothing to do with that. But what I wanted to do is give a balanced approach to these, su these subjects according to the scripture. Now, we understand that there are always things uh, that, that you can experience in life that go beyond Scripture. There are truths that, that, that are, what I mean by that is that they're, you know, the Scripture is, is limited in that it's only so big. There's a lot of other things that could happen. You know, that just said about Jesus, it said that if, if, if all the works that Jesus did were contained in books, the world would not contain the books that, that, you know. And so you just think about that alone. So obviously there's, there's more, there's deeper places to get to. Uh, but I think that there's a balanced way that we can look at things too. And there's, there's things that we can get into that can help us when we step out into those areas. Amen. And we don't want to be a pe people that, that just block everything off because we don't see it written on a page but at the same time we want to be balanced in, in in that the uh the heart of it or the ideas of it will be found in scripture amen and so our whole point is about building things on scripture there's lots of people that that know a lot more than i do praise the lord and, and have better revelation of things than i do but uh i'm called to to preach to this group of people and so that's what we're going to do so tonight's message is called Go ahead and pull it up. Unpacking 1 Corinthians 14. What's this tongues business and other spiritual stuff? Amen. Glory to God. Now, the focus of this message is tongues. We are going to be talking about uh, other spiritual things because you can't get into 1 Corinthians 14 without talking about other things other than tongues. But my, what my heart is, is that we could walk away with a, a, a pretty decent understanding of, of what tongues is all about. Amen. Now, uh, there's a lot of different opinions on tongues. There's a lot of different ideas on it. Amen. Uh, but I want to talk first. I'm going to bring I want to talk to you about what tongues is not. Okay. Tongues is not salvation. 
It is not equated to salvation. You can be saved and never speak in tongues a day in your life. Anybody who tries to claim otherwise claims so without scriptural support. And therefore, we need to stay away from that idea. There are people, believe it or not, that believe that you have to be able to speak in tongues or pray in tongues. Uh, we are going to be talking about both of those things because there is a difference between speaking in tongues and praying in tongues. Uh, but uh, we're, we're going to get into that some. But uh, uh, tongues is not salvation. Another thing that tongues is not, tongues is not the mark of a good Christian. In other words, it doesn't make you righteous. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Tongues is something that good Christians can do and partake of, and I believe that it's open to everybody, but it's not necessarily something that, 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 that equates to that. And, and how can I say that? Well, I've judged the fruit. But if you wonder how I've gotten on any vein that I've got on, gotten into and what kinds of things that I, I preach and why I look at different doctrines and stuff like that, it's because I've judged the fruit. I'll look at something and I say, okay, there's no good fruit here in this. In other words, you know, somebody said this or did this and this wasn't the fruit of it. And so, uh, you, you know, I, I, I have to judge it that way and say, well, maybe they're missing something. Amen. And so when we look at tongues, is a, the idea of it being a, the mark of a good Christian, which some people promote that as well, that you can only be a good Christian or the Christian that you're supposed to be with, uh, if you partake of this thing. I don't believe that's true. I don't believe scripture backs that up. In fact, you'll never see that in Scripture. And I think it's very important, especially when we're talking about a subject like this, to have that backing if it's true. Amen? Uh, another thing it is, is it's not a sign of true spirituality. Amen? Praise the Lord. God gave us with the signs of, good, of true spirituality they are, and they are the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, very simply, we find those over in Galatians, what, 21, 22, 23, somewhere in that area. Uh, 21, 22, 20, 21, 22. 521 20 yeah you know what I'm talking about just go over there and you'll find it amen uh, but there's nine uh, nine fruits of the spirit that the Bible talks about those are are things that are manifested from the spirit specifically in the life of a person who is walking after the spirit and tongues is not named in there and so although I believe that tongues has uh, has great benefit to the body of Christ in fact just before I came out here I was sitting back in back there and I was praying in tongues amen uh, that's a, it's a part of my life when I first heard that I was going to pastor I was praying in tongues when I heard that. Amen. But I've heard plenty of things without praying in tongues as well. Glory to God. I've also known plenty of Christians that pray a lot in tongues and they're not very good Christians. I'm not saying they're not Christians. I'm just saying they're not very good Christians. Amen. Uh, of course, we know that one of the greatest marks of, of spirituality is our ability to love one another. And so that's definitely something that we can use to measure it. And, and, and we're going to get into some of that tonight too. And so th these are a few things that tongues is not. And I just wanted to start off uh, kind of throwing that out there. But now I'm going to say so I want to bring up something else. We have to remember that if something is important in Scripture, it's going to be talked about more than one little time. The Bible will emphasize it. Or the writers of the Bible will emphasize it. And, and, and you'll, see it, uh, you'll see themes of it over and over and over again. For example, if we talk about baptism, there's not just one scripture on baptism. We see baptism done many times. Uh, you know, if we, we, we see, uh, you know, ideas on faith. Faith is something we can preach on with a lot of surety because there's a lot about it. In fact, it's woven all through scripture. Amen. But now when it comes to the subject of tongues, there is quite a bit. There's actually, now this is the, what's interesting and this was both my this is both blessed me and it was also part of my frustration that there is a lot that's said about tongues in scripture 
and there's a, there's a lot that's not said. And that is a very important thing for us to understand. Amen? When there's a lot said, then we can know that it's important, but if there's not a lot said, or if there's a lot that's not said, we can also understand that maybe that there's some reason for that. Amen? So it's important for us uh, to understand that everything in the Bible that is emphasized, and to give you an example, you take 1 Corinthians 14. There's very few subjects in the, uh, the, in the Bible where you find entire chapters just written over that subject. And although 1 Corinthians 14 is really about two main things, it's really about prophecy. It's actually about a few different things, but the, the subjects really are prophecy and speaking in tongues and praying in tongues. Uh, uh, you know, we see both of these a lot emphasized. And actually, in chapter 12, you see it. We're talking about spiritual things. Chapter 13, you also see it. And there's other places throughout Scripture that it's mentioned. Amen. And so our heart, my heart here is to, to kind of bring all of this together. Now, if you don't know uh, a lot about how I prepare, I, I, I tend to prepare uh, by unction of the Holy Spirit, why, which is why sometimes it's harder for me if you see me, you know, I say, hey, I really want to minister about something, right? But then you see like maybe months and months and months go by and I still haven't ministered about that. Why is that? Well, the reason that you see that this is in me, okay? This is, I'm not talking about other ministers here. I'm talking about me. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. Hallelujah. This is how I work. I work by unction. If I don't have unction, it's very difficult for me to preach on something or teach on something. Amen? And so I rely heavily on that. There's sometimes I come to, to the pulpit with a message, but I'm not even really sure where the message is going to go. I know what the heart of it is, but sometimes, you know, trying to put it together and then the Holy Spirit meets me and it's just a wonderful thing. That's how he uses me and how he works in me. But that's why sometimes if I say to you, you know, I really want to talk on this, which is in this subject is one that I started months ago, months and months ago. I said, I really want to preach on this. Uh, it, it's taken me a while to get here because I've had to build up on it. Even, even this morning, I'm thinking as I woke up, I was a bit frustrated. I was thinking, can I get out of this? But I figured somebody was going to call me on the carpet, right? Somebody was going to say, hey, wait a minute. When are you going to get into this? Because we're getting close to the end. And then not only did I get one service, uh, but I think that it, we, we can at least stretch it out for a few and probably a lot more than that. But what happened today is, and I didn't even realize this, and this is, how, again, this is just how God works in me. You understand I'm not perfect. I'm not the perfect teacher. I'm not the perfect uh, one to be at any, leading anything. But God do, does things through me nonetheless. And I don't say that for you to look at me less. I, look at, I say that for you to understand that God, you know, will do things in us even when we're not perfect. Amen? But uh, what happened was, is this morning, as I got up and I was like, yeah, I was seeking the Lord. And, 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 and all of a sudden, he started pulling all of these things that I'd been studying, not even specifically about this, but he started pulling all these things together for me, and it all just came together like that. And then I even took a break um, uh, in the afternoon. I, I, I went to lunch with somebody, had a lunch uh, meeting with somebody, and we, we talked about spiritual things, and it was good. But afterwards, I thought, okay, I, I probably better get back in this and look. And, and when you know it that the Lord even brought more and, and, and I got more understanding than I even did before and um, so uh, what I mean by that or the reason I bring that up is not to say hey I threw this message together at the last minute 
And so you all better believe it. You know, that's not what I'm saying at all. But what I am saying is, is because I spend time studying, because I spend time seeking God on things, that, that in the right time, he can bring all those pieces together. And I found that in my life so often that God works that way. Then all of a sudden, I'll be going about and be like, man, I just feel like I'm in a mess. And then all of a sudden, he'll be like, you remember this, remember this, remember this. And at the right time. And see, all of that comes, uh, the reason I know that the Lord does that with me is to build, uh, to build trust in me, in him. Amen. And the reason why he has me share that, and I really believe it's uh, it's unction of the Holy Ghost to share these things, because one of the things that the Lord has done when he put me in the pulpit as a minister, as a pastor, is he brought me as somebody who was not able in of themselves, that couldn't drum it up themselves, but he's brought somebody that he can utilize because he, I'll yield to him. And so the, the, the same goes for you. If you'll yield to the Lord, you'll learn how to do that over time. God will be able to work things in you that will be a, a great blessing to you and the body of Christ. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. Glory to God. And so we're going to be talking about, we're going to be getting into 1 Corinthians 14. I don't think we're going to be getting all the way through it. I hope we get as far as I want to because I am really excited to share some things. But you cannot talk about this subject unless you start in the book of Acts. And so we're going to go ahead and turn to Acts 1. And this is where we're going to start or kind of our jumping off point. Praise the Lord. We're going to go to Acts 1 and... The thing we need to understand about Acts, Acts is interesting because we see a, a lot of really amazing things. Now, 1 Corinthians 14 uh, is very connected to Acts, and I'm going to tell you about that in a minute, if I don't remind me. Um, but, but Acts is, uh, as I've studied it out, this is what I've learned. Acts chapters 1 through 10 are a transitional period. Um, we have lots of transitional periods, and what we have to understand about transitional periods is transitional periods are not necessarily, um, they're, 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 they're not necessarily an exact uh, walking out process of the way everything is going to be done, but sometimes there's these periods. Really, uh, what, what I see Acts 1 through 10 is like is, is very much like revival. That, that, that's how I've seen it. I think that's a, just a good way of looking at it. We'll get back into that more. Now, in Acts 1, of course, the Holy Spirit had not fallen on the church yet. The, it had not entered into, into believers yet. And so uh, we, we understand that that's going to be the thing that's coming. But the reason how I said that Acts, or 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, really the Corinthian letters to the Corinthians, how they are connected to the book of Acts is found over in Acts 18. And Acts 18 is a very, very interesting uh, uh, chapter, and it's one that means a lot to me because the Lord has used that a lot to teach me a lot of things. But Acts 18 is where, where Paul first enters into Corinth. That's when he first goes to Corinth. So there's no church in Corinth all the way up. I don't know how many chapters, like 20-some chapters or something like that in Acts. Am I right? Do you know? Does anyone know? 20-some chapters in Acts. But, but uh, towards the end is where you see Paul going into Corinth. And so, um, so what we need to understand is that there is a space and time between when Paul went into Corinth and when he wrote the letters to the Corinthians. How many do we got? 28? Okay, so it's, it's on, the, on, the, on the second half of it anyways, towards that end. And so we, we, we can understand that, and that's important for us to know. Um, not, not, I just think it's important for us to know because, um, because I, I believe that all of these things, you know, the Bible works together pretty flawlessly. It's amazing how the Bible works together. 
And I think if there's anything that we see in this, hopefully, if I get this message outright, is we're going to see some, some of that. Amen? And so we start over here in Acts 1, and we read, uh, starting in verse 4, and we read to, uh, we're just going to read down uh, through a bit here. We see it says, uh, Gathering them together, Jesus commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of, you heard of from me. Now, Man, praise the Lord. I, I think I'm going to just go as we go. I'm just going to get into this as we go. Um, you know, when, 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 Pentecost, uh, when Pentecostals first became a thing, and they're typically Pentecostals are the ones that are equated with the, the move of the Spirit, the, 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 you know, the holy rollers, they call them. There's a lot of different names. They, you know, they influenced the Charismatics, the Charismatic Revival and stuff like that. All the different revivals of the 19th century, you know, coming out of maybe the late 1800s. Pentecostals really originally broke off from, from Methodists. That's, that's where the, the line of uh, believing in the gifts of the Spirit the, that haven't passed away, that they're still in operation today. That's really in that vein. And so, and that goes back to, uh, 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 is it John Wesley and, and I think his brother uh, Charles Wesley. And, and so there was two Wesley brothers and they were traveling evangelists, pro preached lots of sermons and, and stuff like that. And they uh, just, they, that's where uh, Methodism came from. It was a methodical way of, of approaching the word. And that's just a little bit of history there. But, you know, in the, in the in late 1800s and the early 1900s, uh, you, you know, really there was, you know, the second grade, uh, what was called the second great awakening, and I'm not trying to get all teachery on you because I'm not, but uh, the second great awakening, what the mid to late 1800s was around that time period. And that was uh, obviously the second of two great awakenings. There was the first great awakenings, first great awakening, which went back around the the same time as the founding of our country and so back into the 1700s but what these were these awakenings were these 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 mighty moves of god where all of a sudden there was just just what it sounds like an awakening where where all of a sudden it was like the the spirit came on people and and, and there was things that were happening there was interesting manifestations and if you go down through the line there's there's all kinds of different uh denominations came out of these different different time periods and different moves of god but what we have to understand is that every major, I don't even know, I didn't plan on getting into any of this, but uh, all, all these major, I, I'm, I'm knowing a lot more than I thought I did too, love, so this is good, but all, all these major moves of God, they, 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 they came out, or all these uh, denominations, a lot of denominations came out of these various areas, and uh, uh, these various uh, moves of God. And so we, we have to, and one of the things that people have always done, and this goes all the way back to the Jews and the Old Testament, is that whenever there was a major move of God, and of course you see different times throughout the Old Testament where, you know, it seemed like everything was stale and all of a sudden there's an awakening and then everybody is stirred and excited and they come out of some kind of captivity or some kind of trouble and they find themselves in the blessing of the Lord and all these wonderful things are happening. Glory to God. That's why we all want revival because we all want to feel like refreshed and just stirred and we want it so easy because that's the way it is in revival and that's exactly what was happening here in Acts. Yeah. Amen? But back when this, when this first came into the, the, and the Pentecostals were kind of becoming a thing, and there's various different uh, sects of, of Pentecostals, and people look at it in different, you know, different uh, ideas. You know, they didn't have all the knowledge that we have now. Some of them, it's taken years to learn some things, some things by the Spirit, some things just better understanding of Scripture. And so, you know, 
We've gone through this process of time, but early on when people first learned about this, this idea of being baptized in the Holy Spirit and praying in tongues and, and this stuff, they, 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 uh, they, they would do this, they would go tarry, is what they would say, they would tarry, they'd wait for it. And, and this was uh, something that they would look to the scripture and they say, well, they tarried here and so that's why they did it. But see, the thing that we need to understand about this, again, this is a transitional period. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon anybody yet. And so there, there was this, this, this period of time where Jesus was saying, go wait, because on the day, God has pre-appointed times and days for certain things to happen, and that certain, some things will only happen in those time periods. And so that's what you see here. You see this, uh, them gathering together. He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise, uh, the, what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, I want to stop here again because I want to point out this word with. This word with sometimes can get people tripped up a little bit, only in that they, they only kind of interpret it one way. But the word with can also mean in and it can also mean by. It's used kind of simultaneously for all those words. And so it can mean uh, be baptized by the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Spirit. You get the idea. And so it doesn't really make it confusing, but to have a well-rounded knowledge of it, I think, is very helpful. Amen? And so when we see that, uh, many times in Scripture, when you see with the Holy Spirit, or uh, a lot of times it can be looked at as by the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so when we see things in the scripture about like being filled with the Holy Spirit or filling, you know, or by the Spirit or with the Spirit, we, we, we can see by the Spirit in there as well. And uh, this is important for us to understand as well. And I think we'll see that more as we go. Praise the Lord. Uh, but he said, you will be baptized, uh, be baptized with the Spirit or by the Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, Lord, or saying, Lord, is, the, is it at this time that you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? See, they were looking for something totally different. They didn't know what to expect. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Amen. And so now uh, they go into some time period where they're, where, where they're in the waiting period. They go into some, you know, and they're hanging out, they're, they're praying, they're coming together, one accord, all that stuff. And then we're going to skip on down to chapter 2. Praise the Lord. And we're going to start in verse 1 and we'll read down through verse 13. And it says here, When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Now, something really important about this scripture I want to point out to you is, again, when we're looking at this, when the day of Pentecost had come. So there was a day where Pentecost was going to happen. Yeah. Right? right? When the day had come. And so there was a certain day. We have to understand that there are certain things that are completely out of our control that God will make them happen in a certain time or God has a predestined time for them to happen. 
This is why we have to learn contentment and not to get so bent when things don't go our way or when we prayed for something and it doesn't come past the way we want it to. Because sometimes there's things that are happening behind the scenes, there's reasons for it, but there is a day. And this scripture helps me in a lot of areas personally because this just makes me know that, hey, there's sometimes I just got to wait. You know, if you're, you're praying for something that ain't coming to pass, listen, if you fully believe that it's the will of God, then just keep praying for it. Keep, just keep thanking God for it. Keep, keep standing in that line, in, in, that, in that place. Amen? Praise the Lord. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them tongues as of, as of fire distributing themselves and they rested on each one of them. Okay? Now you're sitting there thinking, Pastor Jeff, when you got filled with the Spirit, when you got, when you got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and you started praying in tongues. Did you see tongues like fire sitting on your shoulder or your, your head? Did you see that? No, I didn't see that. Remember, this is the entrance of the Holy Spirit. Now what I found is interesting is there are people that both argue for the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the idea of speaking in tongues. There's people that, that argue against it. I think that there are two different things. I think the baptism of the Holy Spirit doesn't necessarily equate to speaking in tongues, although talk, speaking in tongues will come out of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When it comes, if it's real, it'll come out of that place. But what's interesting is, uh, there, and people will argue back and forth about this. The, the, some people will be like, "Oh, this is this is the day. This is the way that it should be, and we should have all these exact same things happening." And then there's some people that are like, "No, this is the this is the entrance. This was the entrance of the Holy Ghost, and there was purpose for it for that time, and since it's passed away." Well, I do believe that there's a little bit of truth on both sides of those things. Amen. And, and we can see that in Scripture as, as Scripture has walked out. And I think that it's not difficult for us to get to a place where we can be okay with it or without it. Not Scripture, but uh, certain things happening and certain things not. Understanding that God is going to do something. And if He's doing something, there will be proof to it. There will be fruit to it. Amen? Praise the Lord. And so, uh, uh, in fact, there's, I, I know there's a lot of people in my circles, I think, that would not agree with chapters 1 through 10 being uh, a transitional period. But I see it very clearly, especially after I've studied it. So I, I don't, and, and, you know, there's a lot of other people that believe that as well. It's not just like it's something I came up with. But I see it quite clearly, and I think that it, it really, I think when you look at the scripture clearly without your preconceived ideas, you can really see the things that God is trying to show us. Because actually, I, I, would, I was leaning probably more on the side of tongues isn't near as important as we think it is, but I think that the idea of it really is more important than I ever thought it was before. And that just came after, this is part of the revelation that hopefully we'll be able to get into today. Amen? And, and I'll, I'll show it to you by, the, by, by connecting it. Amen? Praise the Lord. I hope that makes sense to you, that, that I'm not just like, oh, digging up something new today, and now, oh, this is what I'm preaching. That's not what I'm talking about at all. But I'm building on things, you know, through studying, through understanding, and then through, you know, you, you know have you ever had those uh, eureka moments? Yeah. You ever had a moment where you're trying to learn something and you just didn't get it? You just didn't get it? It's like parallel parking, right? Yeah. If you've ever parallel parked, like if you can't do a good, yeah, like if you can't do a good, and, but there's a moment, I remember there was a moment when I was parallel parking that I just got it. And then I'd par I parallel park, I looked for places to parallel park after that, right? It's kind of like uh, uh, I, I did this, uh, I did this, uh, this, this, this study on poison ivy to figure out what poison ivy looked like. 
because my son got it really bad one year. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what it looks like. I need to find out what it was. I learned what it looks like so well that I can spot it from across the way. I can't even tell, but I can tell you it's poison ivy. And you get up on it, surely, surely, surely it is. And I, I mean, I've been walking through the yard with like my father-in-law and he knows what it is. And he looked at something, he said, that's poison ivy. And I didn't say anything because I didn't want to be rude, but I was, no, it's not. I just know it's not. And, you know, and so there's, because I just learned what it is. And so it's so much in me, you know. And so that's, that's the way the things of God are, too. You know, we got to get things into us and, and, and then they can speak to you. But there's those moments where it's like all of a sudden it all comes together. It all makes sense. And you're like, wow, that's pretty amazing. Well, where was I? And they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. Began, uh, uh, they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now, uh, there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. This is, by the way, where a lot of people say, see, when, if you pray in tongues, it's just another known language. But I'm going to dispel that, that myth, too. Uh, they were amazed and astonished, saying, why are, the, why, are all, why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Uh, and how is it that we, uh, that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Uh, Parthi Parthians and uh, Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus uh, and Asia, uh, Phrygia and, man, we're getting good here, in Egypt and, and the districts of Libya around Cyrene and visitors from Rome, uh, uh, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty, uh, mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking and saying, they are full of sweet wine. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. So we see this, this, this event happening. There's this kind of outpouring, if you will. There's these things that can't quite be explained. They don't get really what's happening. And so this is kind of that entrance in, into the body of Christ. Amen? This part of it. Praise the Lord. And now there's a few points that I want to I, I uh, uh, really emphasize to you here. And that is uh, that tongues is connected to the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit isn't necessarily manifested in tongues. And this is an important part of tongues that we have to understand. <clears throat> tongues is connected to the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit isn't necessarily manifested in tongues. In other words, when the Holy Spirit shows up, it's not necessarily going to be tongues. And this is one of those things that I, I want to just, like, this is just what the Scripture says. If you can point to the scripture, uh, you, know, you know, and say, hey, uh, I don't believe that's true because this scripture says this. Well, then I'll look at that uh, and I'd be open to it. But in my studies, I just don't see it that way. In fact, one of the things that I've learned is that uh, praying in the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that you're praying in tongues. Praying in tongues can mean you're praying in the Holy Spirit. But praying in the Holy Spirit isn't necessarily praying in tongues because you can pray in your understanding doing it full of the Holy Spirit. And this is something that's very important for us to understand. Amen? Uh, uh, again, I'm not against any of these things, but I just want to get clear on all this stuff. Praise the Lord. Now, I want to go back to uh, Acts 1 and look at verse 8. And I want to I point out what it says here. It says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. 
And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. The power we received is the filling of the Holy Spirit. That's the power. The power that we received, or that the, 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 these people received, if you want to look at them first, but we, it does apply to us, the power that they received is not necessarily praying in tongues. Tongues does not equate to the power. And the power does not equate to tongues. Now, tongues can come out of the power, but those two are different things. And so we have to understand that. The power we received is the filling of the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now look at this is very important for us. Um, what is the power for? The power, as it says it right here, and you shall be witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, even to the remotest part of the earth. Now this is where I'm gonna I'm going to vary maybe from some places things you might hear somewhere again and not giving you weapons to go correct someone else this is just this is just the way I see it when I read the scripture uh, again I'm open to, to to changing that if 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 we can look at that and see something different but I really believe that this is the truth. Um, uh, in Acts two, if we read down and through Acts two, you get to the place where Peter is full of the Holy Spirit and he preaches a sermon. But when he preaches a sermon, he doesn't preach it in tongues. He doesn't speak in tongues when he's doing it. When he preaches the sermon, he preaches it in the language that they understood it in. And, but he did so full of the Holy Spirit. Okay, we understand that. When we look at Stephen, he was speaking to the people. He didn't speak to them in tongues, but it said he did so. It says, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Uh, actually, when it talks about when Stephen was elected, what was that in, in is it Acts 7 or something like that, I think, somewhere around there, uh, where, 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 they, where Stephen was one of the, the several that were called on to, to, to he said, uh, you know, it's not good for us to leave Acts 6, to, to leave the word and, die, or word and prayer uh, to wait tables, so uh, find seven men among you, right, uh, full of the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that they're just people that walk around speaking in tongues all the time. It means that they're empowered by the Holy Spirit, that they spend time, that they don't. Now, with that, I don't want to throw tongues out and say that they didn't do that. Because there's nowhere you could draw that conclusion either. And so we have to draw somewhere, somewhere down the middle, right? We have to kind of see it for what it is. But this is what we need to understand about the filling of the Holy Spirit. Why is it was important is because what, what he fills you with, amen, you can give out. Conversely, what you're not filled with, you can't give out. This is why Christians that don't live a spiritual life don't have much to offer people because they don't have anything to give out. You know, one of the things that I was, uh, one of the things that I use to judge my life is I look at the fruits of the Spirit. I was talking to my wife about this this afternoon. And there's at least one fruit of the Spirit that I see that I struggle with. And I'm not going to go into all what that is right now. But there's one that I struggle with. There's one that I, I, I've seen, and, and my wife gave her uh, opinion on why uh, she thinks it is I struggle with it, and I think there's a lot of merit to what she said. But you know what that is to me? That's not to say that I'm a bad Christian. That's the point of something I need to work on. Yeah. And so when I look at the fruits of the Spirit and say, okay, I don't have this particular fruit of the Spirit active in my life, or it's not even that it's active, but maybe it's active, then it's not, and then it's active, then it's not. No, we're called to live in the Spirit. To be full of the Spirit. 
So we should have most of the fruits of the Spirit at least working uh, at some point, right? And if we don't, we're, that means we're not very good Christians. And that's okay if you're not a good Christian. You can get to be a good Christian. Um, but, uh, uh, but that's what it means to be full of the Spirit. Praise the Lord. We have to understand that the people before this time period did not have this. They didn't have the Holy Spirit indwell on the inside of them. And so their, their relationship to the world, to God, and everything was much different than what it should be for Christians today. Amen. And so, uh, uh, the, but the purpose of the power is to be witnesses of him. It's to go around and to show God's glory, to be examples of God's glory on the earth. When people are desperate, when they're hurting, do you ever have somebody come to you with something they're dealing with in their life? And you, they just, they're like, they're, they're like hopeless. They don't know what to do. And you want to help them so badly. Do you know how you do that? You get full of the Holy Spirit. You stay full of the Holy Spirit. See, I, I've had that happen to me before. I've gone into, I remember I went into a nursing home. And I was walking around. And my heart was so smoted. I was like, dear Jesus, this is exactly what I said. I said, dear Lord, are we missing it somewhere? Or not, not are we missing it? I could, it was very clear we we're missing it. I said, where are we missing it? Why are, these, why are these people? And it wasn't that they were being treated bad or anything like that at that particular time. But it was just like, I was like, this is not the way people are supposed to go. Not like this. This isn't right. And I saw people that were under such oppression and that's not right. Go up to Children's Hospital right now and see children that are in such oppression. Why is that? Because there's not enough people full of the Spirit. If people would take time to get full of the Spirit, that stuff would get cleared out. That stuff would get fixed. That stuff would get changed. Maybe not all of it, but a good majority of it. Christians would start being effective if they would start living on fire. This is why we preach the way we preach. Live full of the Spirit of God. Find out what that means and start living in that. Amen? Praise the Lord. Jesus paid for it. He's given it to us freely, and yet we don't walk in it because we just want what we want so often. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, we might have to go on to a third week, love. I don't know. Uh, but Acts is the entrance to the Holy Ghost, to the Holy Ghost in the church. The epistles, those are the letters to the churches that come after. Those are the walking out of the filling of the Holy Spirit. Those are to give us an idea of what our lives should look like. That's what all the letters to the churches are all about. In fact, even when you see it in Revelation, in Revelations 2 and 3, Revelation 2 and 3, when you see the, the seven letters to the seven churches of Asia Minor, all of those things are examples of the churches that have been and the churches that are. That are. It's different times in church history. Uh, it, it very clearly, we can see that. But it's also individual churches today, uh, you know, different aspects of different churches. And we can use these as ways of judging our own life and looking and saying, are, you know, are we in and some, uh, you know, you know are, we, are, we, are we walking in line with God's will and word? Amen? Right. So Acts is the entrance. The epistles that come afterwards are the walking out. Outpourings like this are revival. And they are needed sometimes. We desperately need an outpouring in this nation. We desperately need it because churches are getting bleh. Christians are feeling bleh. They're just not much interested. The things that people were on fire about just even a decade ago, they're not, they could care less about. Christians are more interested in being full of their flesh than they are full of anything else. 
And, uh, and we see this, reasons for this, and we're just about to get to where we're going, amen, or to part of where we're going, um, is, uh, uh, yeah, uh, 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 I, wanted to, I, I see it like this. You know, I, I use these ex as examples a lot because it was very, it was very uh, eye-opening to me, and God teaches me through a lot of my life, you know, the things I experience. But when we were up in uh, looking at the giant sequoias, and I, you know, uh, I talked about that recently, I think, in Corey. I've mentioned it in here before, but the, we stood before the, the, the General Sherman, which was the largest tree by volume in the world that's known anyways. And the base of that tree would fill this sanctuary. I mean, I mean wall to wall, and actually a little bit more probably this way and, and a little bit less this way. So the, that's the base of the tree, the very trunk of the tree. So you imagine how big it is. But you know what was interesting is, is the pine cones that, these, that, these, that have the seeds to these. You know, have you seen pine cones, all different size? Uh, the pine cones for these trees are like about that big. And it's really interesting to me that such a big tree has such a small, uh, small uh, birth, right? And, but the thing about the pine cones, and this is, what's, this is what's even more interesting, is the only way that those trees can propagate is if there's a fire. Because those pine cones will not open by anything other than fire. And so there has to be a forest fire in order to, uh, in order to open those pine cones so they can drop the seeds so they can grow a new sequoia. Some of these, was, we walked around this area where the General Sherman was, some of these giant sequoias had these spaces in the inside of them that were burned out. But they're still standing, hundreds and hundreds of feet tall. And, but here they are. I mean, I was even in some of them, you know. There's like, a, you see this big, it looks like just a big tree and like this black area, and then you see this little dot, and that's my head. And so it's just like, I don't even know, I wish I had the picture still. I don't know where they, they probably have lost them. And, but, uh, it, you know, it was the early days of uh, iPhone technology and before updates and all that. So I don't know. But at any rate, uh, uh, you know, I stood on the trunk of one of these trees that had fallen over and the root ball was massive behind me. And just, you know, it was just absolutely amazing. But what is it? Sometimes to get something really powerful and big, you need some fire. And that's exactly what the outpouring of it was, was here. Amen. Um, but uh, as, as we look at this, I, I want to go back up into chapter 2 real quick and just kind of skim down through there um, and point out a few things. In verse 4, I want to point out this. Uh, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. And so we understand this, that there was utterance that was being given in the Spirit. Uh, you know, I tried to pray, uh, uh, just pray a lot in tongues. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and just been miserable doing it. But there's so many times where all of a sudden the Spirit just comes on me and I just pray. What is that? Praying in the Holy Spirit. This is my experience, but I, but I see this. Amen? Does that mean that you can't initiate it? I'm not saying you can't initiate it, but I'm saying it goes a lot better when the Spirit is, is empowering it. Amen? Praise the Lord. But that's the same with all prayer. And actually, if you want to get some understanding of that, you go over and read Acts, or I'm sorry, Romans, uh, Romans 8, around the 26th verse, and it talks about the Holy Spirit helps in our weaknesses, for we don't know how to pray even as we ought. Have you ever been there? Yeah. I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to do. So what do you do? You start, praying, you, you start praying in the Spirit. And you can tap in by faith, absolutely. But I'm just saying that just because you sat there and you gobble-gooked for three hours straight doesn't mean that you've prayed in the Spirit. 
So we have to understand there's balance in these things. Yes, it's something you can just partake of, of course. And uh, I, I think a Christian's life has, has benefited a lot. We probably won't get into that this week, uh, probably next week. But when you do pray in tongues, amen? Praise the Lord. But then go down, uh, uh, down here, it says in, in verse 6, it says, And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing him speak in his own language. Now I might go into, um, yeah, I'm going to come back to here. So I'm going to wait there and we're just going to move on because I'm, I am going to come back to here. So if you want to hold your place there, it'd be great. Now I want to pull up 1 Corinthians 13, 1. This is a great love chapter, and I want to pull this up because I think that this is, the very, this is a very important basis for understanding not just tongues, but anything that is, that is quote-unquote spiritual. Yeah. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, If I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Okay? Now, the first thing I want to point out to here is this is going to speak to two, two, we're going to speak to two sets of naysayers here. Okay, well, the tongues that that people speak because they heard it is only is only uh, a known language, right? But here it clearly says, if I speak, if I speak, everybody say I speak. It's so what Paul said. If I speak with the tongues of men, which would be known language, so right now I'm speaking in English. That's a tongue of men. Uh, my wife can speak a little bit in Spanish. That's a tongue of men. Um, I've heard other languages spoken, many other languages spoken, and they were tongues of men. Amen? But notice it also says, and of angels. I think that's pretty interesting. Now, what is tongues of angels? The Bible doesn't tell us a whole lot. It doesn't explain a whole lot of what that is. But as we get into tongues, I believe that there's a comparison that can be made. We, we do know this. We can, we can at least see this, that what would be... If there's distinguished between one from the other, or one and the other, then we understand that one is not the other. And so if there's tongues of angels that a person can speak in, it is obviously not tongues of men. Because if it was, wasn't, there would be no, no need to distinguish them, right? But notice what it says here. Even if I can speak in all these different languages, but I do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. The number one mark of true spirituality is your ability to love. And not just your ability to love, uh, love on people, but the ability to walk in love. That is the number one thing. If, if, you can, if, you can, if you can pray for hours in tongues, but you can't treat people right, you got, you got to go back to the drawing board. Yeah. Because the whole thing is based around love. If you ain't got love, it doesn't matter what else you're doing. If you ain't got love, that's what you need to go get first. That's why when they asked Jesus, what's the most important thing? He said, love God, right? And love your neighbor as yourself. Praise the Lord. And so you got to go back and get into that place. And so that's super important for us to understand. Some claim that tongues are everything, and some claim are they, they are nothing. But neither one of those conclusions can be drawn from this. Neither one of those conclusions. But what we can see is the most important thing is love. And really, we're going to see this as we get into it, and we're about to get into it more. Go ahead, uh, turn to 1 Corinthians 14. Praise God. 1 Corinthians 14. 
we're, we're, uh, my attempt is going to go through the whole, the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians. I've got 12 minutes left. We ain't getting all the way through it, but we'll get as far as we can and probably take, I'll, I'll probably take my Steve allowance today too. <laughs> Amen. Uh, but I won't take as much as I've been taking, I promise. Because um, I do have to keep some kind of control up here. And, um, 1 Corinthians 14. Now, I, I want to point out, as we do this, I'm going to point out, I'm going to bring up two scriptures uh, back to back. First is 1 Corinthians 14, 1. This is how the chapter starts. Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Okay? Now, we're going to bring up the last verse in 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 40. But all things must be done properly and in an orderly manner. Okay? I love these are kind of like parentheses in my mind to 1 Corinthians 14. Pursue love. We can remember order properly in an orderly manner. We can remember that, right? Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 14 because that's where we're starting. Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So we see this, that the 1 Corinthians uh, uh, 14 is uh, to, to give you just a, a, a clear understanding of what this chapter is all about. 1 Corinthians 14, although we so often use it for a, uh, for a license to do spiritual things, 1 Corinthians 14 is really a rebuke. It's really a correction of spiritual things that have gotten out of hand. So that's the first thing we need to understand. It doesn't mean we can't learn spiritual truths about it, but we do have to understand as we approach it that the first thing that's being dealt with here is excesses. Yeah. Excesses. The Pentecostals are really, really, really good with excesses. I don't like excesses. It annoys me. I've, been, I've had services here where the spirit has been moving, but people try to take it in a certain direction, and I've stopped it, I've squashed it, because I don't want excess. I've actually done that. I've never done it loud, and it's like, oh, you're doing this. I haven't done it like that. I've just pulled it back, reeled it, took it, took it in a different direction. Why? Because I don't like excess, amen? Excess is something that we, have to, we, we need to be careful of, amen? But some people need a little excess in their lives. Because some people are too rigid and they'll break if the wind blows. So we need a, you know, we need a little bit of, you know, a little bit of Holy Ghost juice on us. Praise the Lord. But pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts. Now this word gifts, uh, as, as we're often commonly taught, and it's the truth, it's just not, it's not there in the original language. It was added to give us, uh, help us with understanding, but that word wasn't originally there. And so originally this would have read, yet desire earnestly spiritual, or spiritual things is really what it's talking about. But especially that you may prophesy. 1 Corinthians 14, the two main subjects of this chapter are speaking in tongues, Praying and praying in tongues kind of goes back and forth. And prophecy. Yeah. This is not the same prophecy as Old Testament prophecy. Right. It is not. Old Testament prophecy was different. Now, does that mean that there can't be people that prophesy that way? I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that's not what this is dealing with. This is dealing with New Testament prophecy, and it clearly defines it here on the pages of 1 Corinthians 14. Amen? But, um, but we have to understand that these things are important. And the things that we re remember, the parentheses, love and then order. Proper, uh, proper uh, application and order. These things are all important, very important. Amen? 
Now, as we get into this, uh, uh, as we get into this, uh, we, we, I want to stress too that it is up to Christians to desire earnestly spiritual gifts. Yeah. This is something that we should crave. The move of the Spirit. Things in the Spirit. We're not always going to, we have to understand, we're not always going to understand everything. We'll just be like them in the day of Pentecost sometimes. Sometimes there'll be spiritual things that we won't fully understand. <laughs> But we should be able to have peace in our spirit. And at least if we don't have peace, we can get to an, an understanding of why peace isn't there. Sometimes peace won't be there simply because you don't know. And it actually deals with that in 1 Corinthians 14. Amen? But we'll get to that. We'll get to that as we, as we, get, to, as we get there. Amen? <laughs> Praise the Lord. So it says, but especially that you may prophesy. So it... Uh, and then it goes on to explain it. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit, he speaks mysteries. Praise God. Hallelujah. Tongues is not just other languages, and we can see that here. Now, tongues can manifest as other languages. I'm not saying it can't. That, that was, in a way, it was happening. Now, it, that didn't even happen that way there. The day of Pentecost was different. They heard it, the Bible tells us. I think I'm going to get into that, so I'll wait. <laughs> but uh, it doesn't, tongues does not just manifest in other languages. It doesn't speak to men, but to God. Human languages speak to humans. Yeah. Amen? But tongues is a way of speaking to God. Now, you might sit there and say, well, can't God understand me in my own language? Yes, he can. Yeah. <clears throat> it's not because he needs you to speak in tongues. Mm -hmm. And we have to understand this, that, that, that the whole idea of tongues, there is reasoning for it specifically. There's a reason why, because I've always wondered that. Why tongues? Why did it have to be tongues? Why did you have to do something so weird, Lord? <laughs> Why'd you have to do that? But that's what I discovered today. I, I, there was a verse that I never understood, and all of a sudden it was like, it was there. And I saw it, and I studied it out. It's true. We'll get there. Amen? Maybe today. Maybe not today. Maybe next week. We'll see. Um, uh, so we see he speaks mysteries. That's just something you don't know. How, you know and it says there, uh, I want to make sure I say this correctly. It says, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. Mysteries are things you don't understand or don't know, right? They're mysterious to you. When we get down uh, uh, to verse, I think it's verse 18. Yeah, verse 18. Oh, I have it right there. <laughs> um, Paul says, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. Right? You see that verse 18, if you look at it up here. What Paul was not saying is, I, I, I thank God that I speak in other human languages more than you all. <laughs> that would make no sense. It, it, like it, it would have absolutely, it, it just, it makes absolutely no sense that he would say that. Was Paul just like, was he really good at speaking, you know, German and, 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 and Irish and, and, and uh, you know, Chinese? Was he really good at just all these different languages? That's not what it's talking about. And we'll, we're going to see this as we get down there, but we have to understand. So this, when, when, when people claim or try to make the claim that tongues is just other human languages, the Bible shows us that it's not. And we'll see that over and over again. Amen? Praise the Lord. Tongues manifest in various ways scripturally. It manifests as a known language. It manifests as unknown. And then sometimes it's even interpreted. Um, 
<clears throat> what's interesting about the interpretation is you see this happening in Acts. Uh, uh, Acts. We're going to go back there. I'm going to pull it up. Uh, don't stay in First Corinthians just for time, but. Acts 2, 4 through 6, it says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. Every nation meaning they were speaking different languages, right? That's the idea it's given us. And when this sound occurred, listen to that, when this sound occurred, when this sound occurred, what sound? The sound they were hearing. The crowd came together and were bewildered because each of them was hearing them speak in his own language. It does not mean, it didn't say that each of them were speaking in the other's languages. It says when the sound occurred, each of them was hearing it in their own language. In other words, there's, so there's this, uh, there's a story I love. I'm not going to say what it is because I think the guy was a, a real, uh, like he really hated Christianity, but there's a lot of Christian parallels in it, which is interesting, but it doesn't matter. But there was this, 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 uh, this story, and, and he was talking about this alien creature that you could get called a babblefish. And the babblefish would like, you would put it up to your ear and it would suck into your brain and it would instantly translate any language to you. And that's what I see here. I don't know why I just see the babblefish. I see like, this is what they got. All of a sudden, they're all hearing it. They're hearing this sound translated in their mind, in their ears. Actually, it was really interesting because I was, I was talking to a, a friend of mine today, and he said, uh, you know, he said there was this one minister that was in, and this was before I was there, but I, I trust him. I don't, he didn't have no reason to lie to me. He said he was there, and he, and he spoke by the Spirit during service. And he said, went back, people, uh, he went back and listened to it afterwards because he wanted to rehear what the minister had spoken. You know, sometimes we do that. If something special is spoken, uh, we go back and listen to it again and, and see what was said because we want what the Spirit said. And he said, what was interesting is, is that when he, uh, when we went back and listened to it, it was in tongues. But everybody, or a lot of people that sat there heard it as, 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 uh, as a word, just they understood it. It was spoken to them, and that's exactly what this is talking about. See, these people were hearing a noise, and then all of a sudden it was manifesting in their ears as something they could understand. Yeah. It wasn't that the people were speaking in the language. Now, I have also heard of certain missionaries going to other countries, and, and all of a sudden they can speak the language that they never knew, that they never learned. Those types of things happen too. There's amazing things that happen out there, especially in the missions field, if you hear reports back, that, shoot, even the Baptists believe. I'm just telling you the truth. There are, there are things out there. I say that as a joke towards my Baptist brothers and sisters. We love you. Glory to God, even though you think I'm going to hell sometimes. But, uh, but we'll, 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 we'll all find out the truth someday. Amen. Hopefully you're wrong and I'm right. Because uh, I want to see you there, but uh, I, I hope I'm there with you. That's a joke. Amen. But glory to God. But there's things out there that are just crazy that happen like this all the time. You know, there's different manifestations of the Spirit. And why shouldn't we believe that? If God did it before, why wouldn't he want to do it again? So, uh, but we see this here that a lot of people try to say, see, they were speaking in other languages, but that isn't what was happening. The, the scripture's clear. I mean, just read it. See, read what it says. Um, praise the Lord. And then we go down to verse uh, 11. Chapter 2, verse 11, and it says, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them, we hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. So they heard them in their own tongues. 
And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking and saying they're full of new wine. Some people weren't hearing it at all. And who wasn't hearing it at all? The ones who were mocking. The ones who were saying, this is a bunch of garbage. This is why we want to be very careful about how we receive spiritual things. Just because we, doesn't, we don't understand it or don't even like it doesn't mean it's not God. But that doesn't mean that we should just accept everything either. And so uh, in this, this, this phrase right here is incredibly important. And we're going to see why in the next 14 seconds. See, what was going on in the book, in 1 Corinthians, we're going to go back there now. 1 Corinthians, what's happening here is the Corinthian church was experiencing, they were having experiences in the, in the Lord. Paul didn't come in and say, stop having experiences, stop, stop partaking of that stuff, it's all the devil, you just, you know what I mean? There's a lot of ministers today that would say just that. Paul didn't say that. He said, just make sure that it's in order. Bring things back to order. Because when God does things, he does them in order. Right. Amen. Amen. Oh, I'm such a fan of order. Order is the thing that keeps us stable. But that doesn't mean that, again, that things will always be understood. Praise God. But we have to move on. Um, yes, 1 Corinthians, so we're at 14, let's read 3. Now, what, three, we're going to read 3 through 19, and we're going to kind of... We're going to see that this is just a lot of, this is a lot of order is what it is. Putting things, explaining different things. So as we go through, if I feel like I need to stop, we will. Um, but one, and it talks about the difference between prophecies and speaking in tongues, right? But one who prophesies speaks to men. For, for, but one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. There is the definition of what true New Testament prophecy is all about. When it's talking here about prophecy, it's not saying, Yea, verily, thus saith the Lord. Uh, you know, there, 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 there's, a, there's a great cloud coming. You know, it's like getting into some kind of like weird spiritual visual thing. I'm not saying that can't happen. If you hear them, I'm not saying it's not God. We have to judge those things. But what I am saying is this. That New Testament, what it's talking about here is not that. What this is talking about, really, the, the term preaching, the term ministering can often be, can often was used simultaneously with this word prophesying. When I minister every week, every time I stand in the pulpit, I have not had one time that I've stood in a pulpit to minister God's word where I have not prophesied. Because prophecy is speaking edification, exhortation, and comfort. And I would add this, I don't think it's a stretch to do so, I think you could see, because it's in the spiritual chapter, that it's by the Spirit. Yeah. I can only do that by the Spirit. I don't know what somebody needs. A lot of times, I, I, you, know, you hear me say all the time, I don't know why I'm on this. Yeah. And I don't, other than it's the direction of the Holy Spirit. But what I'm saying is, is I don't know who out there needs to hear this. I've had, I, I've had countless times where people have come up to me after and said, you don't have any idea how much I needed to hear that. And there's been countless of times where I've gone to a, a meeting or I've gone to a, some kind of service somewhere, and I'm like, that's the word that I needed. That's what I needed to hear. That was the thing, because God's Spirit will speak to us that way. See, again, why tongues? Why does, can he speak to us in known language? Well, can he just speak to us? Why does he have to speak through a person? Because he decided to, right? And so uh, we get that. So at any, any rate, so he, one who speaks in a tongue, edifies himself, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. 
And so we see this. This is the heart of it. When you're into church, you gather together. The heart of being together is let's do all things in love to build up our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. And greater is the one who prophesies in the local church, is what it's talking about, than one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may receive edifying. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in tongues, what, what will I profit you unless I speak to you either by way of revelation or of knowledge or of prophecy or teaching? In other words, if I'm just sitting there speaking in tongues, you're not going to understand it. Right? He's not talking about human languages. Because if he was talking about human languages, you wouldn't need, he's not saying you need, why would God manifest himself in the church all of a sudden making me speak in Chinese and say, okay, but there has to be a Chinese interpreter there. It would be absolutely, there's no sense in that whatsoever. That's not what it's about. But there is a reason why it's something that we might not understand. And we're, we're heading that way. But now, uh, if I come to you speaking in tongues, will I profit unless I speak to you by either way of revelation or of knowledge or of prophecy or of teaching? Yet uh, even lifeless things, either flute or harp, in producing a sound, if they do not produce a distinction in the tones, how will they be known what is played on the flute or the harp? And really, this is given as like the idea of, you know, uh, you know like a, a military bugler type of thing that when they go to war, they would bugle certain things and it was direction to get to the whole group, right? And so that, that's there too. That's free, no charge. It goes on. For if the bugle produces an indistinct sound, who will prepare himself for battle? So also you, unless you utter by the tongue speech that is clear, how will it be known what is spoken? Notice it is not saying that speaking in tongues is bad, it's wrong, you shouldn't do it. It's just saying that if you're in the place of the church and it's your turn to speak, it's not going to do any good, any good to anybody if you're just speaking in tongues, right? If I got up here and preached the message in tongues, man, I might be built up, I might be excited and feel all spiritual by the time I leave, but you're all going to sit there and be like, man, I really wish this, even Steve will be saying, I wish this was over. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> Praise God. Um, there, are, there are perhaps many kinds of languages in the world, but no kind is without meaning. If then I do not know what the meaning of the language, I will be, I'll, I will be to the one that speaks a barbarian, and the one that speaks will be a barbarian to me. So also you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek to abound for the edification of the church. You are zealous. See, they were zealous for spiritual gifts. That's why they were seeing spiritual gifts. If you're not hungry for spiritual things, you will not see spiritual things because God is not going to pour himself out of people that could care less. Which again, if you go into some churches, you're like, why does it feel dead in here? Because it's dead in there. Because people aren't interested in the move of the Spirit. They're not interested in the things of the Spirit. They want what they want. Praise the Lord. And the things of the Spirit come at a cost. That's another time, for another time. Uh, therefore, let one who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. So you have tongues and interpretation. Notice what it says here. Let one who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. Now look at the very next verse. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Speaking and praying... There are, you can speak in tongues, but you can pray in tongues. And it even clearly shows us right here that when you, when you, when you pray in tongues, your mind isn't unfruitful. That you, you don't understand what is going on there. You don't understand necessarily what it's all about, but you, there's just an unction to do it. And hopefully we'll get into the unction next week, the, the ideas of that. And, um, 
and I'm trying to hurry, I know, and I shouldn't, but we're getting through it. Uh, what is the outcome then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the mind also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the mind also. See, both things can be done uh, b both things can be done, praise the Lord, by the Spirit. Otherwise, if you bless in the Spirit only, how will the one who fills the place of the ungifted, and that's important, say the amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not know what you are saying? Literally, ungifted means, um, let's see, unversed in spiritual gifts. So somebody who doesn't understand it, if we're all sitting in here praying in tongues, blah, 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 we're going off at it, right? We're just getting into it. We're just having a, a, a good old time praying in tongues. And it's a Sunday morning. And all of a sudden, somebody comes in here that's never heard that before. just wondered about the church. And they come in and they hear that. What are they going to think? They're going to think we're nuts, right? We got to at least let them come in and sit for a little bit before we show them how goofy we are. And that's what the Apostle Paul was saying. See, that's why some of these, uh, that, that, that's why some of these people, they just don't get it. Like these, 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 uh, these uber uh, spiritual people that go out there and they're just like, all this stuff, they're pouring out, you know, this and that, and they're prophesying, and they're doing all these things, and the world's looking at them going like, you're a fool. See, all that isn't meant for all them. You're not supposed to change their heart, but you're supposed, their hearts are changed. The world's heart will be changed by the ministry of the Word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus died, rose again, praise the Lord, and lives forevermore so that we could get access to the Father. That's what's going to change the hearts and the Holy Spirit moving on them. That's it. It isn't going to be your prophecy. It isn't going to be your, you know what I mean? It could be laying on of hands, but that's a whole other thing. Uh, how will they say amen at your giving of thanks? In other words, how will they say yes, amen? And see, here, there's another scripture about why we say amen in church. Uh, but I'm not preaching on that either. Since he does not know what you are saying, for you are giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not edified. I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. However, in the church, I desire to speak five words with my mind so that I may instruct others also rather than, than 10,000 words in a tongue. So it doesn't throw tongues out, but it does. So here's a question. I know I'm pressing it. I got some, that thing I've been hanging on to get into, and I just want you to know, if you have to leave, you can leave. We're not typically trying to do this, and I promise I'm not going to, well, I can't promise, but I'm going to try really hard not to do this in the future. I mean, but should we get into it? Because yeah. the next part might take just a minute, and I, I really wanted to get here, because this is why tongues, why tongues, why does it matter? Okay? Verse 20. Brethren, do not be children in your thinking, yet in evil be infants, but in your thinking be mature. God wants us to have understanding. It's important to him. He's talking about tongues, talking about spiritual giftings, but specifically he's just been talking about tongues. And now he's saying, listen, I want you to be mature. And then it says this. In the law it is written, by men of strange tongues and by the lips of strangers, I will speak to this people, and even so they will not listen to me, says the Lord. And this is a scripture that I never understood until today. Are you ready? So then tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophecy is for a sign, not to unbelievers, but to those who believe. Now you're wondering, it says in the law. So even here it says that the Bible calls itself the law. And so we understand that. 
This is found in Isaiah chapter 28, verse 11. Because of time, I'm just going to say pull it up, write it down. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 11 and 12. And this is the point, this is what the Bible, that's what, this is what Paul was quoting right there, okay? Ready? Indeed, he will speak to this people through stammering lips and a foreign tongue. Verse 12. He who said to them, here is rest, give the rest to the weary, give rest to the weary, and here is repose, but they would not listen. Now, to put this in quick context, this scripture was judgment that was falling on God's people. Actually, what was happening is God's, uh, his prophets and his, his, his ministers were all getting drunk. And they were prophesying, and they were doing all this stuff drunk, and they were stammering around, and they were just, and, and they were just, they were just like pouring out all this stuff from the flesh. But it was from a place of being physically drunk. And see, this is a thing that's big with God. That's why it always. That's why we we bring it up a lot. And so what happened here is when God passed judgment on him, he said, fine, I'm going to speak to them now. Because actually in one part in those series of scriptures in, in chapter 28, he said, but who do I really have to go to to speak to? Because they're all drunk, basically, right? And so what God said is, as judgment on these people, I'm going to speak to them still, but I'm going to speak to them in a way they can't hear. And so he spoke to them through foreign armies. And to them, they couldn't understand him. To them, it was, it was completely the army. God was speaking to them and passing judgment on them, but they couldn't hear it. And they couldn't hear it because of what it says. They rejected. God had given them the way of rest. He had given them the way of understanding. And so, uh, when it brings it up here, when it says there in verse... Uh, uh, well, we might come back to that. No, we probably won't. When it says in 22, so then tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. What it's saying is, this was a sign, back there at verse 28 to the, the Israelites, that was a sign to them of their judgment, was that they couldn't understand. That was Israel rejected God, and so God rejected them. And his sign was that, and this is the same thing Jesus talked about, by the way, when he talks about hearing you shall hear, and, and, or however he said, you, you know, you'll, you'll hear but not hear, you'll, you know, blah, you know all, all those stuff, I'm going to say blah, 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 but you know, the things that, that he was saying about that, having ears to ear and talking about that. It's like when somebody hears the word and then you reject it, they're the same. So what is happening here, oh, this is so good. What is happening here is God is bringing this up again and he's saying that, that, that tongues are assigned not to those who believe, but to unbeliever. This is a continual sign of unbelief because what happened here, what Pentecost was, remember what I was talking about, Acts, 10, Acts chapter 1 through 10 being the, the transition. In Acts 10.45, I'm, I'm planning on bringing this all together. I'm tying it up. Acts 10.45 says, All the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. So what had happened is, we know that the whole salvation message is the Israelites rejected the Messiah and God opened the door. Because Jesus even said, I, I haven't come except for the lost people of Israel. Right? But they rejected him, and because their rejection, God opened the doors for all of us to come on in. 
unless you're a Jew, then you you know you had that way into. But but uh, but so he opened the door for the for for the Gentiles to come in, and so uh, what this what this whole tongues business is, it's a sign to the uh, to the unbelieving people that are supposed to be godly that. God has passed judgment, and then because of that, it's, he's taking it to other people. And that's what he was saying back there. So when he, when, when the, the connection is this connection between the tongues. And so the, the, the purpose of the tongues, and the, the, this I believe, this is in the realm of my belief, the reason that I can say that it hasn't passed away is because of what God says about this and what he says about Israel. And we see this in, in Romans eleven twenty five. and go ahead and pull that up. It says, for I do, not want, I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery so that you will not be wise in your own estimation that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. Now, there's a lot I could say about this, but what God, what, what, the reason we're all here, the reason that we still remain is because God is waiting for the full fruit, the full harvest to come in before he returns. Now when that is, he knows. But that's what he's waiting for. And that's why we are given the commission to go out into the world and preach the gospel. Because the quicker that happens, the quicker that he comes back. But the, uh, um, the, 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 this connection is a sign, again, to the unbelievers, again, reflecting back to uh, uh, Acts chapter 2 when it said some were mocking they were the ones that weren't receiving again it was just another parallel of some mocking this thing that God was doing this 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 outpouring of the spirit that some were mocking it and so they didn't hear and the rest that he promises the rest that God promised back there in Isaiah 28 and even here uh, in, in the New Testament the rest is not tongues tongues does not afford you rest the presence of God's spirit gives us rest so tongues is not yes it's a matter of speaking to God yes it's a matter of of praying out mysteries and there are purposes in tongues more of which we'll get into later on but they themselves are not the rest that's spoken of the rest is 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 really is trusting in God and the new way that he was doing things was through his presence in the church on the earth and then when you look at, so uh, what, what's, it, it, it's just amazing to me when you see these parallels. And so it says, you know, prophecy are, those, are, are, are assigned to those who believe because, yeah, you won't receive the prophecy if you don't believe. But tongues are assigned to those who are unbelievers. In other words, the ones who are rejecting it, it, it is a continual sign until Jesus comes back of their rejection. And it's the same rejection. It's the same thing that happened back in Isaiah's time. And, of course, Paul made that connection, and I never saw that. See, when, when you look at the Bible, when you look at the Bible the way that it's uh, written in context, yeah. you start seeing, okay, he's talking about this, and then he goes right into this, and it's like, well, why would he go right into that? There's a reason he went right into that, because that's what he was just talking about. And so we see here that, that, that tongues is used that way, but the idea that, that people wouldn't understand it See, and that's why all the correction about just, just, just speaking in tongues in the church if somebody new comes in, because it doesn't even give them a chance to believe. But prophecy, when they, the Bible says that when they hear prophecy, that it, the, 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 it's, does it go on to say that there? Uh, yeah, I think it goes on to say that um, 
Yeah, but if prophecy and an unbeliever, ungifted or an ungifted, it puts those two together. That's verse 24. But if all, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or ungifted man enters, he is convicted by all and he is account, called to account by all. See, speaking edification, exhortation, and comfort. And those are another thing I could preach probably a whole other day on. But I wanted to get to this, this place at least for us to really understand what was going on here and what was happening. See, they were just going at it with their prayers. They were just, you know, and not considering who was around them. And so, folks, as, as, as Christians, there, there is a... And, and I believe, I got a lot to get into because I keep saying I'm going to get into this maybe next week, but, but there's a lot of things with it, you know. One of the biggest things, in, and I don't know if we, I know we have uh, some Corey people, are they tuned in or they might be uh, watching this coming up because, you know, I know that uh, they were really interested in this. One of the major things about the Holy Spirit and spiritual things is learning how to yield to Him. That's a, a major important part, and without yielding, you just you're just not going to get into much of anything. And that's one of the things with tongues too. I struggled so much with tongues in my life uh, uh, early on, and, and, and uh, I, I don't anymore because I see the word on it. And so, uh, you know, my heart is. I, I was really hoping to open this to questions. We're not going to really have time for questions tonight too much, um, but uh, you know, uh, in maybe even next week. You know, we'll see about it. I know the time's getting short here, but we, we really just, you know, there's a lot to it. My heart is that we have just some understanding of this subject, and it's a vast subject, but that we can start looking at it scripturally and just be like, listen, we don't want to just throw it away, but at the same time, we want to we wanna try to understand what's going on here. Amen? Did I make that clear about the, the, the draw, the connection between Isaiah and what was happening back there? Um, you know, praise the Lord. And it's interesting to me, in Ephesians 5.18, you see this too. Uh, there, there's parallels drew, drawn between all the time between drunkenness and, and the move of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Folks, I'm just going to tell you the truth. This isn't to come against anybody else, but it's just to tell you the truth. I do not believe that that is because we need to all be running around drunk in the Spirit. I'm not saying there can't ever be a manifestation where somebody can't feel like weird or ethereal or just whatever, or just, you know, out there. I'm not saying that that can't ever happen, but the Bible doesn't equate the spirit with being drunk. In fact, it, it, what it really equates is sobriety with the spirit. And so, uh, again, praise the Lord. That's not to tear anything else down or anybody else down. And there's more that I could preach on that as well. And perhaps coming up, we will. But I think that is a good jumping off point for this message. Amen.